Well, we're looking at Colossians, first chapter. Going to finish the first chapter tonight. And in celebration of that, I'm going to be gone next week. <laughs> and uh, Omega is going to be ministering next week. She's going to bring the word to you. And so, also going to be gone on Sunday. And so, uh, Troy is going to be ministering on Sunday. So, sure, be sure to be here to be blessed and to receive the word. <clears throat> I'm going to just start reading in the 23rd verse. That's not where we're going to begin tonight. Um, but we're going to begin in verse 23, and where we'll actually begin is in verse 25. But in verse 23 it says, If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which we preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. If indeed we continue in the faith and not be moved from it, it says that we're to be grounded and we're, we're to be steadfast. And that's talking about being grounded, being steadfast in the word. And when we do that, we're going we're gonna to continue in faith. We won't be moved away from the hope. You know, everything around us in this world that we live in is trying to move us away from the hope uh, that's been made available to us through Christ. And, and Paul says this, the hope of the gospel, which you've heard, he says, of which I was a preacher. You know, I was a minister. And so that's the... <clears throat> That's the, that's the message that Paul preached. You know, and so when we're looking at the epistles, you know, as we're going through Colossians, you know, some of it just seems, you know, kind of hard to understand, but Paul says it's the gospel. It's the simple gospel. And sometimes we feel like we've got to get into something that's deep. You know, but it's this, it's simple gospel that's going to uh, produce life and victory in our, in our lives. Then it goes into 24 and it says, I now rejoice in my suffering for you. And we, we talked about Paul's suffering. <clears throat> thing that's important for us to realize about Paul was that he didn't suffer for anything that Christ redeemed him of. In other words, he didn't suffer with sickness and disease. Uh, Paul's needs were, were met didn't suffer from lack. Um, he was set free from his past. And so what, what Paul suffered was persecutions, afflictions that the world brought upon him, you know, because of his position of what he believed, what he taught. Um, so there was persecution that came against him. Now, there, there's suffering that we go through, uh, but the suffering that we go through is persecutions, you know, we don't, I don't know about you, I don't feel very persecuted. Nobody's taken a gun to my head late, right, lately. You know, somebody may refer to me as that wacko preacher over there at Abundant Life, but you know, I think I can handle that. You know, but, but that's, you know, that's persecution. 
but we don't we don't suffer you know you've heard people you know some kind of a disease or affliction comes upon their life really I shouldn't even use that term because when the scripture talks about affliction it isn't talking about sickness and disease it's talking about persecutions it's talking about those sorts of things that come against us but somebody has a a, a destructive disease or something that comes against them and they say well I guess this is just my lot in life I, I guess I'm just suffering for Jesus no you're not because Jesus paid the price for that and so it's very important for us to make that distinction as to is it something that Jesus paid the price for or is it not Jesus didn't pay the price for per persecution in fact he said that persecutions were going to come our way and so that's that's part of living the Christian life you know being mocked by the world that's that's part of the Christian life we've not been redeemed from that uh, but sickness and it's important for us to see this when Paul's talking about the suffering that he endured he did not he did not endure sickness now there's religious folk that try to impose that upon him that he had an eye disease and so forth but there's there's no biblical proof for that it just makes reference to writing something in large letters and we're not going to get into that tonight because that's a three-night teaching in and of itself you know but Paul did not suffer from that which he was redeemed through from through the blood of Jesus Christ neither are we to suffer from things that we've been redeemed from through the blood of Jesus Christ but there is a suffering that we endure you know and, and a lot of times with the suffering that we endure it's obedience you know because uh, we're do something that we really we really don't want to do it you know uh, um, but that's the suffering that we endure for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ and so Paul says again in verse 24 I now rejoice in my suffering for you and see it was it was for us he's not that you isn't referring to Jesus that's referring to us the suffering for you if it was it was for Jesus it would have been a uh, a, a capital U there but the context he's talking about the church in Colossae Colossians he's saying I suffered for you what did he suffer for them well what he had to endure to be able to preach the gospel to them you know because of the attacks and so forth that came his way to keep him from preaching and so <clears throat> I now rejoice in my suffering and the reason he rejoices in his suffering is because he's of what he sees in their life for you and in, and uh, and fill up in my my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body which is the church and so he did it um, he suffered for the church so that the church might mature so that the church might grow up and so now when we get into the 25th verse we're going to be talking about Paul's responsibility and his burden but let me let me just read verse 24 and go right into 25 because it's it's like it it ends at mid-sentence you know and the thing you got to remember when we're when we're studying the scriptures you know the chapter and the verses weren't put in here 
when, when Paul wrote this, this was, this was a letter. I don't know about you, when I get a letter from somebody, they don't have one, two, three, you know, so that I can rightly divide, you know, the letter that they wrote for me. No, it's just, it's just written out. And that's how these letters are. These, this is how the books of the Bible are. The, the, the chapters and the verses, the numberings were added for our benefit for the sake of study and, and finding certain things and so forth. But it wasn't there in the original. And so I want us to get a, a flow as to what he's talking about here. And he says, I now rejoice in my suffering for you and am filled up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church, of which I am called a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Now let me read that in the, it's, this is what's in your notes, it's the literal. And it says, thereof, referring to the church, I am made, genomai in the Greek, became, whereof I became a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to you to fulfill, plemini, complete the deficiency. He's saying there was a deficiency and I was called or set into my place, anointed to fill the deficiency of the Word of God. Now, <clears throat> you say, Pastor Dave, you're saying there was a deficiency in the Word of God. Yes, because it wasn't complete yet. Because Paul was given the assignment, and this is, this is the burden that he bore. You know, when you read through concerning Paul, the greatest burden that he bore was not the persecutions that came against him from the world and from those around him. The greatest burden that Paul carried was the burden for the church. And that burden that he cared for the, carried for the church in a large portion was because it was his assignment or his responsibility to bring forth the revelation that we're going to talk about here in this dispensation. We talked about it a few weeks ago a little more, a little bit, but we're going to talk about it more tonight. But the deficiency was the revelation of the mystery or the dispensation of the church. You know, dispensation just simply means a particular period of time. And the dispensation that we're in right now is the dispensation of grace or the dispensation of the Holy Spirit. And it began after the resurrection of Christ and the day of Pentecost. And it will continue until the rapture of the church. And so in other words, the dispensation that we're talking about biblically wise, scripturally wise, is from about Acts the third chapter to Revelations the third chapter. And all of that in between there, that is the dispensation that we're living in right now. You do realize that the book of Acts was never closed. It never had an ending. And the reason for that is, is we're still living in it. We're still operating in the, in the book of Acts. And so the, you know, the Acts, it's the Acts of the Apostles. That's what it's talking about there. 
the Apostle Peter, the Apostle Paul are the two main figures that we see in the book of Acts, but it includes the other apostles as well. And so we're in that apostolic age even now. And so in our dispensation where we're living right now, all of the things that we saw in the book of Acts were to be seen today. They're still in operation today. They haven't passed away and they're not going to cease. They're not going to pass away until the rapture of the church. And that's when we'll be, that's when we'll all be taken out of here. And so there is a deficiency that all believers are to continue to fill. Now, the, according to the book of Revelation, um, the scripture is complete. Uh, it says, uh, anyone that should add to or take away from this which has been written, you know, all of the curses should come upon them and more. You know, and so we're, we're not to be, it's not to be added to, but all of us have a deficiency in our spiritual life because we still don't know it all. We still don't have the full understanding of everything that has been made available to us. And so Paul, the burden that he carried was that he wanted to make sure that the revelation came forth so that the believers would be able to walk in the fullness of that. So I've got it in the notes. Paul's burden for the Lord to complete the word of God was greater than any suffering that he endured in the physical. Um, he stands in the same position and endured. Think about even the Old Testament prophets, what they had to endure. So many of them were persecuted. I mean, I just, I'm reading through Jeremiah now, and Jeremiah, you know, was thrown in a well, and, you know, I mean, just horrible things that these people had to endure because they had the revelation of God, and the enemy wanted to take them out. Paul went through that exact th same thing. When Jesus rose from the dead, and on the day of Pentecost, that's when the church began. And it's the church age is going to continue until the rapture. And what Paul was called to fulfill was the New Testament epistles. He was to bring that revelation forth to each and every one of us. And so getting then into, in, into verse 26, you know, what, we, <clears throat> what Paul was receiving was a doctrine that was unique to the church age. And again, we talked about it a little bit a few weeks ago. We talked about the mystery. And so we see this in, in verse 26. And it says, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to you or to his saints. It was hidden from um, from the ages, which is talking about all the prior dis dispensations. <clears throat> you know, there was the, the dispensation of innocence. That was Adam and Eve. There was the, the dispensation of knowledge. There was a dispensation, I can't even think of them all right now. And so I'm not even gonna, gonna try to remember what they were, but there were all these different time periods and each one of them was dispensation, 
was a, dis, a different dispensation. And so he says, the mystery which has been hidden from ages, and so in all of these dispensations and from generations, and so it would be all the peoples that lived in those dispensations. They didn't have the understanding. They didn't have the knowledge of it. They didn't see it as well. Again, let me read it out of the, the literal. Even the mystery, and in the Greek it's the mystryon, um, something hidden in the past, but now revealed. And see, that's the key. It's something that was hidden in the past, but it's, but it's now revealed. It wasn't that it wasn't in the heart of God, it was already there. But it was hidden in the heart of God. It wasn't revealed to man. Which hath been hidden, apokia, to keep secret. Or in other words, it was kept secret from ages, dispensations prior to the church age, and from generations, people who lived in those dispensations. And so it was kept as a secret in the heart of God. And so, again, mystery, it's... The, the word, if you go back into the Greek and you study the word, what, what, it, what it means, it, it actually is talking about or would be used as a secret society. You know, we, we see our secret societies today. We have the, the Masons, we have the Scottish Rite, the, the, these different organizations. And what they have is they have a secret code. And, and, and when you join that organization, you have to take an oath that um, you will not divulge the secrets unto death. I, I mean, that, that, that's part of the, the secretivism thing. And so what it's talking about is um, it's, it's like that from the standpoint that it was, it was secretive, but it was for a certain period of time until the dispensation that we are now in so that it would be revealed. Um, Jesus used that word, the, um, mystery, used it in Matthew 13 and 11. I'm not going to read all of them, but I just want to touch on some of them. And he answered and said to them, because it has been given to you to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but to them it has not been given. And so Jesus said, it's, it's going to be revealed to you. It's, it's for you to know and others to not to know. You know, <clears throat> the world has such a difficult time understanding us. And the reason for it is, it's a mystery to them. It's hidden from them. You know, I don't know about you. You know, the, this whole concept of, of being born again. You know, if you try to figure it out in the natural sense with your mind, it just doesn't make any sense that somebody is born of a virgin, <laughs> right, lived his life, suffered, was punished, took stripes, was hung on a cross, died, was buried in a tomb, went to hell, third day is raised again from the dead, and because of that, 
My sins are forgiven. Now, it all makes sense to you because you're born again. But you sit down with an unbeliever and you share those thoughts, and if their heart isn't prepared, it's like, poof. Goes right over the head because it makes absolutely no sense. You know why? It's a mystery. But you know how the mystery is solved? Jesus, I've sinned. I've fallen short of your glory. Forgive me. Come into my life. And your eyeballs are open. Your spiritual eyeballs are open. And all of a sudden, it makes sense. And we, think, we, we run around, why can't they understand that? Because it's a mystery to them. But see, that's why the Word of God is so important. That's why Paul took everything that he was doing so seriously, and he, it was such a burden upon him, because he knew the consequences of what he was, was receiving as a revelation, that it was going to change men's lives, that it was going to bring hope into a hopeless world, that there was a way of being reconciled to God where there was no way to be reconciled with God. You do understand, for 6,000 years, man was not reconciled to God. He was separated from God. There were moments in time, you know, when God would reveal himself to an individual. But guess what? That was a moment in time. He didn't stay there. You know, we, we see some of the miracles in the Bible, but you do realize that they couldn't do that whenever they wanted to. The Spirit of God had to come upon them and they were able to perform that miracle. So there was that type of knowledge of God available to them. But it wasn't like what we have today where we have the indwelling Holy Spirit who is with us every moment of every day to assist us in anything that we might encounter during the day. There to give us the words to speak when we don't know what to say. Give us the direction to go when we don't know where to go. He is with us continuously. You know, anybody that wants to go back to the old covenant, I just say go. I don't want it. I am so appreciative of what I have today. I have a relationship with Jesus that they were never able to have. And it's all because of his death, burial, and resurrection. And, and Paul brings this revelation to us. The New Testament, the, the, the church, the mystery, refers to the, to the church age in Ephesians. In Ephesians, the first chapter, the ninth verse, it says, having made known to us the mystery of his will. See, the, the mystery, and, and it's important for us to understand this, the mystery is the will of God for each and every one of us. It's the mystery of his will. Let me read it again having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to the good pleasure which he purposed in himself. You know, the revelation that's been made available to us, it's the will of God. You know, God wants us whole more than we want to be whole. He wants us victorious more than we want to be victorious. The third chapter, the second verse, still in Ephesians, it says, 
If indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God. See, that's where we are right now in the dispensation of the grace of God, which will continue until the rapture, which was given to you, uh, given to me for you. Once again, this is Paul teaching. He said, it was given to me for you. And so as a, as a preacher, when you, you get revelation of truth, and each one of us are preachers, by the way, we receive it for others so that they can come to that same realization. <clears throat> How that by revelation, he made known to me the mystery as I have been briefly written already, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge of the mystery of Christ. See, that's why the Word of God is so important to us as we read it, as we hear it, as we study it. We come to know the mystery of Christ. Do you realize how many church people have absolutely no understanding of the mystery of Christ. That's why you can begin to talk to somebody that's been saved 30, 40 years, and you begin to talk to them about these truths that, that have been revealed to us in Colossians and Ephesians, and they look at you deadpan. They look at you like, what in the world are you talking about? And it's so sad because that's what this scripture has been given to us for so that this mystery can be revealed to us. Now I've got to calm down because I was going to finish this chapter tonight and we are going to get through it. But how can you not get excited about this stuff? I mean, it is so exciting and especially in the day that we live in to know that when everything around us is so corrupt and so miserable and so hopeless, we have the mystery of Christ to depend upon and it'll never change. Doesn't matter who's in the White House, it won't change. It doesn't matter what country we live in, it doesn't change. It's constant, it's always the same. Jesus never changes. Which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the spirit of his holy apostles and prophets. Whew. Now this next verse, this is key because we all qualify. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel, of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. To me, who am least, uh, less than the least of the saints, the grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery. We're to have fellowship with the mystery because it's not hidden from us any longer which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in heavenly places. 
According to the, I, I mean, I'll read the whole chapter. But it's been given to the church. We're to be a witness to principalities and powers. What's our witness? You're defeated because of what Jesus has done in our life. And when those around us see the victory that we walk in because of Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. But you know, you can study the Old Testament and you know, and that's one of the arguments that people will bring against the rapture. You know, whether you'll be a pre-tribber, post-tribber, or mid-tribber, or some other tribber, there's still a rapture. But there's those that don't believe that there's a rapture. And the argument against the rapture is, well, you don't find it in the Old Testament. And do you know what? They're right. You don't find it in the Old Testament. I'll tell you what else you don't find in the Old Testament. You don't find the church. You don't find the body of Christ. You don't find the infilling of the Holy Spirit. You don't find the oneness of the Spirit. You don't find Jesus taking up residence in us. What you find in the Old Testament is you find everything up to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You find the death, uh, you find the birth, you find the death, you find the burial, you find the resurrection of Christ, you even find the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But you don't find the revealing of any of the mystery. You go past the rapture, because that's outside of our dispensation now. It's a whole nother time period. You find the millennial reign, you find the tribulation, you find the judgment seat, you find all of that on, on both ends of it. But you don't find in between. And the reason is, it's, it's the mystery, and the mystery was hidden for you and me, for the dispensation that, that we're in right now. <clears throat> I don't know about you, I just feel so privileged Think about this, folks. You and I were born for such a time as this. You and I were born to live in this dispensation. You and I were born to experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit. You and I were born to experience and be part of manifesting miracle power in the lives of people. You and I were born to be able to experience seeing others born again. What a privilege. You know, we, we oft, oftentimes get mamby-pamby about it. And we, oh, you know, I just don't know where I am to be born today. Well, what better time to be born than in this dispensation that we're in right now. And so the rapture was part of the mystery. And so that's why you don't find, here, here's some other functions, they're in your notes, but let me read through them. The individual priesthood of the believer. 
You know, under the Levitical law, the priests, first they had to be of the tribe of Levi, and then they had to meet these certain qualifications, but, you know, there, there was only certain members of lineage that could be uh, part of the priesthood. We're all priests. We're all part of the priesthood. We don't, we don't need, you don't need me to represent you to God. Each and every one of us on, now, no, don't misunderstand me. If you want me to pray with you, if you need, I, I'm here and I'm more than happy to do it. But you don't need me. You know, of course, as a preacher, it's dangerous to say these things because, you know, you know our, our causing people to have need on us is our job security. But you don't need me because you can approach God by yourself. It's to every believer that we can approach the throne of grace to receive help in our time of need. In the old covenant, they had to go to the priest. The priest made the sacrifice. The priest went into the holy of holies. The priest would speak to God on behalf of the people. We can speak to God on our own behalf. And not only that, as part of the priesthood, we can speak to God on behalf of others. It's known as intercession. And so, oh, we get, we're good. The, the individual priesthood of the believer, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit for every believer. Think about this. Every believer has the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The infilling of the Holy Spirit for every believer. It's talking about Excuse me, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You see, if you're born again, you know, and this is a whole other subject as well, but if you're born again, you have the Holy Spirit. And uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is an infilling in addition to that. But if you're born again, you have the Spirit because without the Spirit, you can't be born again. And so that's why there's two, uh, the indwelling, of the Holy Spirit for every believer, the infilling of the Holy Spirit for every believer, the church, you don't find the church, the body of Christ, we make up the body of Christ, you don't find that in the Old Testament, the gifts of the Holy Spirit for every believer. And so, you know, in the Old Covenant, you would see the prophet or the priest or somebody once in a while would operate in a, in, in a miracle when the Holy Spirit would come upon them. We all, have all the gifts of the Spirit available to us every moment of every day. In other words, if, if, you know, if, if you or your child or somebody needs healing in their body, you don't have to look up, Pastor Dave, although I'm, I'm happy to come, but you don't have to. You have the same giftings that I have because you're a child of God. The apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. You didn't have that in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, they had the prophet. Had priests. Well, that, that's not part of the fivefold, but we have the fivefold ministry that's part of the dispensation that we're in right now. Then we go on into verse 27. So is that clear? That we're, we're privileged, we're blessed because we're part of this miraculous dispensation and the mystery doesn't mean that it's been kept from us. It was hidden for us. 
this is kind of like Christmas. You know, we, we hide the presents for our grandkids. You know, and, and then we present to them. And after we've presented them to them, we don't say, okay, now you've opened it, now we're going to take it back. No, it's theirs. And that's how it is with the mystery. Once it was opened, it's opened. And the thing is, is it's opened for all, everyone who will come to him. Okay, 27th verse. I believe that's where we're at. To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. <laughs> I, I don't know if I can read this next part. You guys are going to just get so excited and some of you start running around the room or something, you'll get, you'll get Pentecostal on me. In Christ, well, let me start over. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the mystery. Christ in you. The hope of glory. Let me read it out of the literal what you have. To whom, speaking to the saints, to whom God would, Philo, inclined to, desire, be disposed, make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope, elepis, confidence of glory. You know, the Bible says, as believers, we're to go from glory to glory to glory to glory. And see, within each and every one of us, because of Christ in us, we have the hope of going from glory to glory to glory. If you're not satisfied with where you're at, there's hope. Because Christ is in you. And Christ in you is the hope of glory. Christ in you refers to the indwelling person of Christ, the new birth, through the Holy Spirit in you. Christ in you, the indwelling person of the Holy Spirit through the new birth, who dwells in you through the Holy Spirit. But it is also Christ in you also refers to the indwelling presence of Christ who is the Word. And so as we receive the word of God, Christ dwells in us. And that's the hope of glory. Because the greater understanding that we have of the word of God, we go from level of glory to level of glory to level of glory. And it's, it's through knowledge of the word. It isn't just that it, through osmosis or something, it just happens to us. But we gain understanding, we gain knowledge, we gain wisdom. And as we gain that, 
We're, we're not, but he elevates us. We're elevated. We take a step up. Every time we, we, we see a new truth in the scriptures, it's like taking another step up because of what Jesus has done for each and every one of us. The more word we have in our lives, the more confident we, confident, confidence we have in our future. The more word we have in our life, the more confidence that we have in our future. Little word, no confidence. Much word, much confidence in the future. And by that mean, that it means where we're going, what we're gonna achieve, and also, in spite of circumstances, nothing's gonna stop us, nothing's gonna hold us back, nothing's gonna destroy me because of Jesus in me, the hope of glory. What brings confidence in our lives is not the new birth alone. And you see, that's what's so sad is that many people think that the new birth is an end unto itself. But it's not. It's the beginning. It's the starting blocks. Speaking of starting blocks, my granddaughter Lizzie, who is a seventh, uh, ninth grader, um, got eighth in their cross country uh, in their conference. And so she left the starting blocks pretty good. So anyway, just, just thought I'd throw that in there, you know, for the tape to have for all time's sake. You know, but, but it, it, it's the starting place. It's not the, it's not the ending place. It's, it's the beginning. So what brings confidence in our lives is not the new birth alone, but the richness of the Word of God dwelling in our hearts. You know, I remember... What we figured out was 44 years ago when I got saved, we were, we were talking about some stuff on the way up to Fort Dodge. And uh, 44 years ago, that's a long time, praise the Lord. You know, but uh, at that time, during the charismatic renewal, there were so many other people at the same time that were part of the Bible, you, you remember? You know, that were part of those Bible studies and, and growing in, but they, they stopped. They got the new birth, and many of them even got the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the manifestation of tongues, but they stopped. They didn't continue to grow in the Word of God, and then years later they're wondering, why, why don't we have any victory? Why is this happening? Why is that happening? Why didn't this happen? Why didn't this go this way? It's because they, they got the new birth. Thank God they're going to be in heaven. Praise the Lord. But it's the beginning. It's not the end. And I guess like Paul, and don't misunderstand me. I'm not comparing myself to Paul. But like Paul, you know, I have this desire for people to come to know Jesus, to be born again. 
But I don't, I don't want people to settle for that. I don't want them to, to stop there. I want them to grow in the Word of God. Remember when Anthony Wade was here, he's a black preacher from Ohio that we used to have in quite often. He was just a great preacher, great teacher. And uh, he told me one time, he says, you know, he said, coming to your church and preaching is like teaching in a Bible school. And he says, I feel, I feel pressure to preach something worthwhile because I know what they're, they're getting. Well, thank God. But that's been, that's been Abundant Life Ministries is, you know, we, we've, got, we've got teachers that don't have Bible degrees that are better teachers than 90% of the preachers in the state of Iowa. I used to say Jefferson, but then I met more preachers. And <clears throat> so, uh, but, it, but it's the truth because we have, this, we have this heart for the Word. You know, our, um, our membership uh, we, we really have strict requirements to be a member of Abundant Life Ministry. Yeah, number one, you must be born again. But number two, you have to show a willingness to study the Word of God. Because I know something. If you're, by, if you're born again, and if you will study the Word of God, you may have stuff in your life, but it'll change. Because that's what the Word of God does in an individual's life. And so, you know, we, we don't have to, you don't, you don't have to, you know, do you drink, smoke, chew, or, do, or run around with those that do. You don't, we don't have to check any of those things. You know, because if you're born again, and if you study the Word of God, all that stuff will take care of itself because of the grace of God, because we can't change ourselves anyway. It requires Him to bring about the change in our lives. And so, uh, here he says, or the notes say, what brings confidence to our lives is not the new birth alone, but the richness of the Word of God dwelling in our hearts. Last night, Pastor Becky made lasagna. Smelled really good. But it didn't do me any good until I ate it. I ate it. You can have the Bible sitting on your coffee table. And it can be a really pretty cover. And all that kind of stuff. But you know what? It won't do you any good to get it on the inside of you. Verse 28. Him we preach, speaking of Christ, Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Notice what he says. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom 
In other words, Paul's saying, I'm not holding anything back from you. He speaks of that again in Ephesians where he, where he had a uh, pastor's conference, basically what it was. He says, I withheld no good thing from you. In other words, if the Holy Spirit revealed it to me, I revealed it to you. I withhold no good thing from you. If the Holy Spirit reveals it, I want to be able to reveal it to you. Why? So that you can grow in all wisdom. So that you can be that perfect man. Well, let's look at the, the literal again. It says, whom Christ, we preach, announce. See, that's what preaching is. It's announcing something, declaring something. Warning every man and teaching every man in the wisdom, Sophia, wisdom from the word that we may present every man perfect, telepsio, uh, mature. You know, really, perfect isn't a very good translation there because perfect means with no defect. And all of us have defects. None of us are perfect yet. But, we're growing in our maturity. And so with, with perfection, there's only one level. No errors, no mistakes. That's, that's to be perfect. Maturity means that you're growing. And so there's levels of maturity. And so maturity, there would be a, a better translation. So this is the cry of the New Testament believer's heart. To preach to everyone, to each every, teach every person, and finally present them mature, mature in Christ Jesus. Then verse 29. There's other stuff there you can read for yourself. To this end I also labor. This is Paul talking again. To this end I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. You see, there was a, there was a striving in Paul. But it wasn't a striving to be a better Christian. It wasn't a striving to be perfect. It was a striving to do the work that Christ called him to. Let's look at the literal on that. We're unto towards the perfecting of the saints. See, that was his labor. I also labor striving as an athlete striving to reach the finish line. What was the finish line? That he might be a perfect man? No, that he would complete the work. Remember what Paul said? Paul said if, if Paul's only goal was to get to heaven, then, then, then this would be, we'd have to totally change the meaning of this. But remember Paul was talking about the Jews and the Jews that were rejecting the gospel of Christ. And Paul said, if I could, I would how would I say this? Give up my own life or give up my own salvation so that you might be saved. 
Think about that. That is, that is an unbelievable statement for somebody to make. Paul said, if it were possible, I would spend eternity in hell if you could spend eternity in heaven, speaking to the Jews. But it was an, it was an absolute impossibility. So, so obviously, his striving wasn't to get to heaven because he knew that that was already settled. His striving was to complete the work to which he was called to do. Look at this again. Whereunto, towards the perfecting of the saints, I also labor, striving as an athlete strives to reach the finish line according to the working, uh, energia, effective working, and worth, energia again, in me. So the working that is working in me that I might dunamos, miracles, powers. So in other words, the working that is working in me that I might perform the miraculous power of you experiencing the fullness of what Jesus has made available to you. That was Paul's life. That was his mission, that was call. That was his call. Paul has put all his labor into perfecting the lives of people. He wanted people set free. He wanted people to be healed. He wanted people to experience the fullness of what God had made available to them. <clears throat> he is consumed with teaching the word, which is the only thing that can bring maturity to the believer. You know, we've, we've kind of taught a lot of this wrong over the years. Oh, mercy sakes, but we got through every verse. <laughs> But we've kind of taught it all wrong because we've, we've kind of taught, you know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You need to grow in faith. But Romans tells us that if you have the measure of faith, and the measure of faith in the, is the amount of faith that it takes to speak to that mountain, say, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and not doubt in your heart, you'll have whatever you say. So it isn't about growing in faith, it's growing in maturity, and growing in maturity means you know what's available to you and what belongs to you so that you can avail yourself to it and walk in it and experience the fullness of what Jesus has made available to you. So, summary of that chapter, Christ, the head of the church, is the visible image of the invisible God. We can see him. And I think I have those in your notes, don't I? So you can read those for yourself. And uh, just be blessed and have a great week. And we'll see you in a week. <laughs>